And welcome to Buenta Vista Socialist Club. Uh, I am Andrew. With me, I've got Ben McClay. Hello. And Lucy Valentine. G'day. How you doing, everybody? Yeah, not bad. How are you? I'm good. Very good. Had a nice day. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. So, uh, we're back. We're back with another episode. But before we launch into the new episode, I wanted to touch on something from the last episode. That's right. A retrospective. We had our friend Trilburn off Twitter, old Everett on, and we were talking about a bunch of uh, Australian and American history. During this conversation, Everett raised that there isn't really a parallel in Australian culture to to the US's history of slavery, uh, which is true. And I very cleverly said, uh, well, you know, there was slavery here, but we weren't importing slaves. I don't, you know, we weren't, we weren't importing people. Uh, it turns out I am completely wrong. Friend of the show, good commo van, wrote in, at V Christabel on Twitter. Uh, she wrote in and reminded me very helpfully of a thing I did not know, of, you know, around 60,000 people being stolen from islands in the Pacific and brought to Australia. Uh, you know, brought to work in the sugarcane fields in Queensland. Queensland, Ben. Okay, well, I'm not responsible for our entire history, just like the last 26 years of it. <laughs> 27 responsible for everything that happened when you were one yes so you know i i went away and i found out a bit more about the whole practice of blackbirding which happened in a lot of different countries and a lot of different places and blackbirding specifically refers to the horrible practice of coercing and tricking people into being kidnapped and becoming slaves by promising them fantastic wonderful things in the new world and then taking them there and going actually uh, actually slavery so, you know, obviously, I was completely wrong, and I don't want to be afraid to say I was very wrong about that, and now I know a thing, and it's better than I know it. I, too, don't want to be afraid to say that you were completely wrong. I agree. Very wrong, even though I didn't know any about that, but you were wrong. You were openly wrong. So. Yes, I'm, I'm the one who made the explicitly wrong statement on the show. What an idiot. It's probably what? not a great sign about the Queensland education system that I went through it, and then all I remembered while we were having that conversation was I was like, all right, I vaguely know the word mm. blackbirding, but couldn't actually remember what it referred to or what was happening, and then, yeah, probably something Brings I should have focused on a bit more, I reckon, in schools, maybe? Yeah, probably. well, um, well, funnily enough, it, it does uh, actually go to reinforce one of my own points that I was making at the time, which is that um, it's a part of Australian history that really doesn't get discussed enough. And yeah, I remember saying, um, I actually think that a lot of Australians aren't that terribly well educated on the topic. And lo and behold, I was talking about me. Oh, the irony. Mm. Mm. <laughs> a sheer stinking load of irony in my face. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, so... um. Apologies to the tens of thousands of people I accidentally erased with that comment. Sorry about Andrew. <laughs> I apologize. Hey, guys. Guys, speaking of not recognizing the plight of Aboriginals and Pacific Islanders, mm -hmm. friend of the show, Andrew Bolt, was in the news. <laughs> Andrew, hello. Was in the news last week. Old friend, convicted racist, Andrew Bolt. <laughs> uh, he had a little stouch. He had a little stouch with some Antifa types. He did. On the street. Pretty good, actually. On the streets of Melbourne. Sick. I'm going to come out with a controversial view here and say, um, good on Andrew for having a swing. I agree. We have to we have to give him props. He's a horrible, vile human being. Oh, he's disgusting. Very much a racist. He's objectively a racist. He's a piece of shit. But... Proven track record. He can hold his own. He can. He threw a good punch. Against two assailants. 
Mm. Hey, look, man, you know, I defend someone's right that if two um, black mask-clad strangers show up and start flinging things at you in a, in a crazed manner, go to town, you know? I agree. Go to town. That's fine. Um, my big issue with all this is that generally my opinion on this would be quite clear-cut, you know? Glitter bombing a racist? It's not mm-hmm. even in the top 500 worst things in the world. Not even close. No. no definitely no. not. Uh, as the security camera footage of it happening showed, the first thing they did before attempting to glitter bomb our friend Bolt was shoulder charge an elderly woman. Mm. Oh my god, I didn't see that. I have not seen that. Well, she's not in the <laughs> good video Christ. that the assailants released. She's in the shitty video that came out first because she was like standing in front of Bolt, talking to Bolt, and then oh. they sort of run in, maybe not quite realising the geometry of the situation, and just send her sprawling. Yes. Jesus. That's not great. Not good. So if you watch the first video, any elation you could feel from seeing Bolt feel mildly ill at ease in the world is tempered from the fact that the first thing you saw was, like, essentially your grandma going flying, which I like my grandma, personally. Yeah. I like your grandma. Thank you. I like her. I, um, I haven't met her, but I'm going to guess that she's lovely. She is. She's very sweet. She, uh, I saw her recently. She didn't recognise me. Took her a little while to figure out that I was her grandson. Oh, I love your grandma. Uh, not dementia. It's nothing sad. I just haven't seen her for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, like I said, I'll give the man points for, for throwing for throwing down. Mm. Now, mm. where it gets tricky when we think about it is that there was a similar kind of public incident relatively recently when um, Qantas CEO Alan Joyce got smacked in the Quanta face with a pie. pie. Overly mm. gay Qantas CEO Alan <laughs> Joyce gay. got um got hit in the face with a pie by a very very uh, stern, weird, angry ups- man. upsetting, angry-looking gentleman. A man who mm. looked like every Scooby-Doo episode where they like took the mask <laughs> off. That's exactly what that guy's face is. Like it was cartoonishly sour. Like it very really much. was. <laughs> I don't I don't know how anybody could maintain that facial expression while doing something as gleeful as throwing a pie. You have to chuckle or something, but no. This man looked like he was committing an assassination. Mm. I Well, I'll tell you what, it was very John Wilkes Booth because I was reading his own account of it today when he called into a radio station. And he described how he uh, packaged up the pie. He chose the pie because he thought it would be like a, a cream pie would be the least physically damaging. He then packaged it up to look like a birthday present so as not to arouse suspicion. He put it in the back of his ute. And he drove to the place where um, Alan Joyce was going to be giving his talk. He arrived well before the event, and he just walked in through the open doors of the convention center or whatever it was. He approached the stage, and not seeing anyone around, he got in between the layers of curtains, crouched down, and hid there, waiting for two hours. Jesus, making it sound like a terrorist incident. Yep, he waited for two hours until the time was just right, and then he walked out with his crazy Scooby-Doo rubber mask face and planted it <laughs> on um, Alan Joyce. Which, like, that makes it sound, A, significantly more premeditated and also just a lot weirder. It's a lot more sinister if you would picture a man who, definitely if you looked at the man, you know he wasn't sitting there, like, scrolling through Instagram on his phone. He wasn't, like, watching Netflix on his phone for two hours. No, he was crouched like a gargoyle. Yeah, like, just staring directly ahead. Mm. audibly breathing listening listening to everything joyce said with just hatred in his heart um so so i remember seeing a few 
few reactions around the media from right-wing types that were like, oh, everybody's calling this an assault. Everybody's calling this violence. Come on, mm. folks. I've seen people throw pies in cartoons. <laughs> you know what else happens Come in back. cartoons? People get smacked so hard on the head with a hammer that a giant bump comes up. And you think that's fine just that's because true. it happens in cartoons? Uh, people have anvils dropped upon their heads. Pianos fall on them. Grand pianos. Yes. We should we should do more of that maybe. Yeah. If it's all good. The odd drop the a odd piano, piano on Mark Latham. <laughs> <laughs> I I would very much like to see um, Mark Latham come up out of the lid of the piano and all of his teeth have been replaced with keys <laughs> that then fall out of his mouth. Look, I don't think violence is the right way to enact political change in most circumstances. But if someone does do that to Latham, I welcome it. If the violence is funny enough, that's that's where the real line is. Oh yeah. So, Lucy, did you, did you find any hot well, takes about Joyce? I'm having a look at Mark Latham criticises Alan Joyce for filing assault charges. This quote is really nice. He can't cop a soft cream pie in the face. That's the message he's sent. <laughs> God, imagine being um, the kind of person who says that they don't want strangers to come up and slam big creamy objects into their face. Just that phrasing, can't cop a soft cream pie in the face, like... Mm. Do you really do you really have to say it like that, Mark? I'd really prefer if you didn't. I never want to hear Mark Latham say soft cream, <laughs> cream again pie. for the rest of my life. Yeah, so Latham basically said that Alan Joyce is a bitch for filing assault charges. Mm. But unfortunately, he hasn't said anything unless I missed it on his um, illustrious television show about the Andrew Bolt incident, because Mark Latham hasn't tweeted in 11 days. Can we, can we not flatter him by it's calling okay. it a TV show? It is, it's a Facebook live show. <laughs> it's a Facebook live <laughs> show. He is no longer on TV. Actually, mm. when, when doing a little research about this incident, I saw a Daily Mail article. I'm saying oh. article in inverted commas. I assume they <laughs> lifted it from somebody else. And they described Andrew Bolt as um, TV presenter Andrew Bolt. And I thought that was really generous. Very generous. Uh, I thought to describe Andrew Bolt's primary occupation as a TV presenter was was exceedingly kind. Blogger, first and foremost. Is is absolutely yeah. a poster. He is primarily a poster. The the sort of opposite reaction has been that Andrew Bolt was viciously and brutally violently assaulted by having some stuff thrown on his jacket, and that he was absolutely right to start violently attacking the the uh the people who did it which kind of conjures some images of alan joyce um immediately mm. beating the shit out of that dude who threw the pie at him yeah and it makes you wonder what the reaction so well. yeah what do you think the reaction to that would have been well, it would have been that you know leftists can't take a joke and yeah. they're they're mm. far too serious mm. triggered triggered the, by the pie the violent intolerant left mm. Um, I, I particularly appreciate that Andrew Bolt has been blogging about this incessantly now because, you know, he's he's a survivor of warfare at this point. I think we can all agree. And he's, he's described it on his own blog as, quote, The Ligon Street Battle for Free Speech. Oh, my God. Which I love. How? What does it have to do with free speech? Because he's being silenced. Yeah. Oh, right. They, they, that's, that's one thing that they love to conflate. It, well, they conflate everything that happens to them as an attempt to stop their speech, but they don't realise oh. that, like, things like this, where they're trying to glitter bomb them, or where people on the internet all the time are being like, check out this dumb fucking asshole." It's not because we're like, well, if we call him an asshole enough, he'll stop. It's because it's funny. People are doing yeah. it because it's funny to make fun of them. It would be funny to cover Andrew Bolt in glitter. 
There's no attempt here to be like, it's not a threat. This is going to change his mind. We're going to put glitter in your hair every day. And that's, it ends up in all your pillows and on your furniture. Oh, you better stop talking. <laughs> I am. Um, well, that's my thing as well. I had a, a bit of a read through his own comments about it. Um, so here's, here's some quotes from Andrew about the matter. Quote. I'm sick of being sued and bullied, and I'm not going to take it. <laughs> How many people do you know who say, I'm sick of being sued? Sick of being sued. No one without yeah. problems. Yeah. Um, I'm sick of being sued and bullied, and I'm not going to take it. I'm just not going to take it. We should be free to have a debate and to walk down the street without fear of being attacked. The right for free speech has to be better protected everywhere, but particularly in Melbourne, he says. <laughs> All right. It's ridiculous how dangerous it is for conservatives in this town to speak out. If you don't like what I say, just prove me wrong. Don't threaten me. Don't threaten my house. Don't abuse me. Just argue with me. It must be a question of the principle and not the side. End quote. And my immediate problem with uh, the entire pretense of this statement is, well, A, it suggests the idea that Andrew Bolt doesn't just approach everything from a pretty facetious angle anyway. <laughs> like, as as though he's actually willing to sort of sit down and speak with anybody on their terms or entertain anyone else's mm. arguments. I mean, you look at his TV show and the entire thing is him having on people who agree with them yeah. who then agree with him and he goes, mm, I am right. That's my favourite thing is that he gets people on to say his opinions so that then he, it can cut to camera of him just sadly shaking his head. Yep. <laughs> oh, I know it. Oh. Slow head shake. That look on his face always drives me bananas. It's insanely smug. I'm going to burn his house down. <laughs> Don't say that, we'll get sued. <laughs> I'm sick of being sued. I'm sick of being sued. Sick of getting sued constantly. Constantly. <laughs> I assume it's nothing to do with me or my behaviour, and that it happens to everyone, but I am tired of it. <laughs> when are people going to stop suing me? Did you, uh, did you happen to come across the blog post that he did? That was solely to say, oh, please don't pity me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Don't, don't pity me. High five me, he says. We must be losers no more. <laughs> uh, and good luck. Good luck with that. I could hardly describe Andrew Bolt's um, recent media, media career as winning. No. But, you know. Don't give him sympathy. Sympathy's for losers, as right. Andrew Bolt says. Mm, yeah, that's right. Maybe there will be a place for him on um, Mark Latham's Periscope show. One day. <laughs> yeah. We can only hope. Hey, hey, here's a thing that I feel is worth talking about. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, Jezza. Jezza. Jezza the boy. The, boy. the absolute boy. Jeremy. Absolute boy. Absolute madman. Jeremy bloody Corbin, you mad wanker. <laughs> you bloody todger. <laughs> you absolute bloody todger. What a job he's done done a good job good on him it's very good stuff very good stuff i mean between the surgeon support for him and bernie sanders you know really made me say hey it's almost like if you actually you know enunciate explicitly leftist policies people Mm. will support that Mm. can you imagine Mm. it's like uh just being a center right-wing party with a coat of paint on who says things mm. about... It's almost like people, like people don't power. actually want that. Hmm. 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 Yeah, I had, um, I had a little I had a little rant on, online, on the line, the other Did, day when... Um, you made some good tweets, put out some good content. Well, thank you. When, um, yeah, I saw, saw some posts from 
friend of the show, Mark Stefano. Shout out, BuzzFeed. He he had some little chops from articles saying, oh, here's a bunch of um, Labour left members who are gushing about, you know, UK Labour's performance. Um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, maybe maybe you guys could get on board with some of that actual left-wing policies shit. Because mm. they're not really doing any of that at the moment. It's all no. much more about, like, um, covering for Sam Dastiari. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like they want to take credit for what appears to be a Labour movement victory and not any actual, without looking at the nuance of it at all, which is convenient for them because their party in no way sustains even a fraction of that. No, I think think the the Labour Party in Australia is absolutely petrified of ever opening themselves up to any line of attack. Pretty much. And as such, you know, they seem to take such little tiny steps in the direction of actual, you know, social welfare policies, and then they get tired as tax and spend lefties. Mm. And they go, oh, forget it. (laughs) Oh, forget it. (laughs) Forget it. We'll put the refugees in gulags. Fine. But I mean, like, they've they've never espoused any sort of policy that fits a Corbyn profile in the slightest, but they're still just like, woohoo, the vague idea of the left. That's definitely us. Everybody vote for us, regardless of the fact that we're not Pretty much, literally just have the name Labour in common. Mm. Nothing else. <laughs> well, that's the thing, like, you know, support for the two majors in this country, like, on a, on a two-party basis, has just been locked neck and neck because they're just so desperate to present the same thing. I'm sure there's, mm. like, some Labour diehards out there who would hear this and be incredibly offended by it, but, you know. Yeah, but then, I then hate so- Labour diehards. Yeah, sort Labour diehards are worse than Liberal diehards. <laughs> I'm going to put that out there. So I, um, I've occasionally had this conversation with people that are Labour diehards who 99% of them are, in fact, the worst people alive, but uh, some of them are quite <laughs> nice. And whenever I say this sort of thing, they're like, oh, well, you know, the Labour left inside caucus, you know, they're pushing for this and this and this. and Oh, this faction and this faction. And... What the fuck do I know about that? If you're outside the machinations of what's happening inside Labour, which, I mean, most Labour voters are, we don't see any of this shit. All we get is the front face of Labour, which is shortened just being like, uh, Gonski is good unless, uh, unless the Liberal bad. Party are doing it. Yep. And then I can't believe you'd cut funding to Catholic private schools. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Bill. It's a spot on shortened impression. Very nice. Oh, thank you. Been working on it. <laughs> um, a friend of the show, Bill Shorten. A friend of the show, Bill Shorten. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was his statement on that drove me bananas where he was like, yeah, you know, Malcolm Turnbull needs to take a look at, at the popularity of the message out of the, you know, out of um, Labour in England. And I was like, oh, yeah. no, no, you Malcolm do. Turnbull you is... You need to look at it. Malcolm Turnbull is Theresa May in this situation. You're the one who's supposed to be leading the, the major left-wing party in Australia. You're the one who should be looking at it and going, oh, maybe people actually want someone to explicitly espouse social welfare and advocate for the most vulnerable people in society yeah well that's what i think is the biggest thing about it is is that when you saw stuff from sanders and corbyn it was unapologetic explicit advocacy for that kind of policy it wasn't as some labor minister said um he was like ah yes progressive policies and a focus on you know focus on poorer people it's like no it wasn't that it was it was explicitly saying we are going to raise taxes by 49 billion pounds and put it all towards social welfare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was actually telling people what you were going to do. And they like 
there is none of that here. They go, we're the party for the people, but also, but also Chinese donors and also multinationals <laughs> and got to hear both sides. Maybe Bill Shorten just hasn't heard of a man called Karl Marx. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should send him some uh, literature. Get every single person to send him a copy of Capital. <laughs> I don't know. It's what flummoxes me about the whole thing is is how constantly apologetic and on the back foot Australian Labour are about any of that sort of stuff. Mm. You saw how easy it was for the Liberal Party to just go, uh, let's just let's just do all the stuff Labour was talking about doing in their last budget. Yeah. And everybody much. went, ah, so they're doing a Labour light thing, and then that was it. That was the end of the conversation. Like I said, they went, oh, let's bring that Gonski thing back. And Labour went, oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> ooh. Ooh, do we support that? Or ooh. So I think that's maybe the worst parts of Australian Labour is that they've been primarily, I mean, in recent memory, a reactive party, like strictly reactive to what the Liberal Party's doing, which obviously comes with the territory of being in opposition, but it felt like yeah. the same when they were in government, where they're just yeah. like, well, the Liberals want this to happen. We want it to happen also, but slightly less. Slightly differently. <laughs> little, we want to tweak it. We want to tweak it. Now, I think further to what you were saying about, um, about you know, all the sort of factional stuff and infighting and what's going on behind the scenes and all that sort of thing. I just, yeah, like I know that, I know that the Liberal Party are horrible and I got no time for them or anything like that. But yeah, with Labour, they just seem like the epitome of that whole kind of, well, you got to you got to change the machine from inside, you know? Mm. Once you once you get in, once you get your pre-selection, and once you get in and get a seat, and then you can start having a little influence, and then maybe mm -hmm. you can change things for the better, except it never happens. It's that uh, the Van Badham thing about uh, asylum seekers, <laughs> where she was like, well, voting against oh. having it didn't work, so instead I tried voting for them. <laughs> yes, yes. That'll like, change it from um, the inside. I mean, personally, I, I despise when people say, oh, voting for a third party or a minor party or an independent is wasting your vote. You know, unless you vote for someone that you are sure can form a government and take power, then you are wasting your vote, which is dumb as such, shit. Oh, so dumb. Apart from anything else, like, if every person who thought like that voted for the people whose policies actually align with their beliefs, yeah, what yeah. sort of share of the vote would they have? Crazy idea. What a what a wacky idea! And like for me, for me, this stuff is really summed up by um, there were a couple of Labour MPs who who retired after the last election, and they were giving their valedictory speeches, and both of them used their speeches to excoriate the Labour Party and Australian politics in general for a horrifying stalemate on asylum seeker policy. Um, and the war on drugs and stuff like that. It was um, Anna Burke and Melissa Park. Mm. Both came out. One of them. One of them referred to it as you know the horrible stain on our country, and they both came out and said stuff that was you know stridently in opposition to their own party's you know publicly held policies, mm -hmm. and and people applauded them for saying this stuff on the way out the door. Yeah. And I was like, great, great. Thanks for helping nobody. Thanks for waiting until the exact moment where your ability to actually do something about it has finished and then going, yeah, I've got the, got the moral high ground. <laughs> I, I'm relatively sure that 
after Julia Gillard was ousted from office, she went on a big, a relatively big tirade about how it was absolutely shameful that Australia doesn't have gay marriage, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, thanks, Julia. Oh, yeah, thanks a lot. Finally, there was some way you could have used that power you had mm. to try and make it happen. Uh, well, and, and again, that's another example of that whole kind of people like Penny Wong voted against. Oh, yeah. Mm. Against gay um, marriage. Yeah, against marriage equality. You know, and people pull out that shit again where they're like, oh, well, they don't vote for something if they know it's not going to pass. And I'm like, how about you just vote for the thing you believe in, for Christ's sake? Yeah. I mean, look, I'm sure I'm sure I'm coming across as a complete, as very naive about the politics and all that sort of thing. But the, these are just the reasons that I cannot support Australian Labour anymore. Mm. You know because... who I can support? Jezza. 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 <laughs> oh, what a lad. What a lad. Absolute lad. Yeah. And like I was saying, just just unapologetic in his belief in the things he was standing for. And I think people can see it. That's the good shit. People know it's the good shit. Mm. And they want it. They want more of it. I, I had a lot of conversations on the day that on the day that will henceforth be known as Jezza Day until I die. <laughs> uh, with other people about any if anyone in Labour at the moment just the possibility of someone in Labour eliciting the same sort of excitement I had for Jeremy Corbyn, like someone who not only are they spousing politics that you like, they're also just someone where you're like, this is the guy that's going to do it. Like, this is someone that I have faith in to do something. This is someone who I even like on a, obviously not a personal level, never met him, but you know, like someone who I'm just like, hey, this fucking guy, this guy. Well, here's, here's the other common factor between Sanders and, uh, and Corbyn is that both of them have been legit as shit for decades in the sense that if you go mm. back through their personal public records like I was looking at a series of photos of um, Corbyn at different protests and stuff you know and oh, yeah. getting, oh, just looking <laughs> at some, looking at some centerfolds <laughs> uh, there was stuff like him getting arrested at, at protests in the 70s with like um, you know anti-apartheid things around his neck and pro-Palestine stuff and mm. And it all kind of makes you think, yeah, do you reckon you can find someone in the Labour Party who hasn't consistently and constantly massively compromised their own ideals to maintain their spot in a ministry or a front bench or whatever? Yeah. What do you reckon Bill Shorten was doing when he was, like, a teen, when he was at uni? I don't know anything about young Shorten. Stamp collecting. Mm. Probably. Doing some student union stuff. Well, that's what they're all doing, yeah, because they all do the same shit. They're all doing the student politics, and then they all go into young, bloody labour, and then they all go into labour, labour, and then... Labour, labour. Anyone who's yep. done student politics should be banned from real politics, because oh it my God, says yes. something about your character. Yes. It immediately shows that your brain is cooked in the wrong ways. Also, yep. just feel like you're missing out on life. Like, I, I would like to add a caveat that I know some people that are involved in, that were involved in, like, the youth wings of the their parties or whatever, and they are fine. Uh, especially if you're a friend of mine and you're hearing this. I think you're great and the exception. Not all student politicians. Not all right. student politicians. Hashtag not all student politicians. But the shit that those people do instead of like living a normal university life or normal youth, I just feel like should disqualify you from being in the real world. You just have this completely separate idea of what's important politically. Yeah. I think it kind of trains your brain to look at politics you know, the actual functionings of politics as a sport. Yeah, like as an activity. Yeah, everything's a game. Everything's, everything's you know, backdoor machinations and all that sort of stuff. 
big stakes form of debate, except they're looking at it more as in like, a, oh, you know, going to have strategies for winning to do this because it's about winning, not about, oh, we're doing this to better the lives of people. Well, in exactly the same way that so so many of them wind up putting forward policies that are massive compromises on their own positions because they're like, ah, it's more important to win and hold power mm. because then you can do the stuff you want. But then they get into power and they're like, it's more important to maintain power because if you're out of office, you can't do anything really. Yeah. And so on and so forth. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> very, it was, it, I don't know, it was just a very disappointing reaction. Like, imagine if, imagine if Bill Shorten had to turn around and said, you know what, people are into socialist policies, people are into far-left stuff, people are into this and that, instead of just going, yeah, Malcolm Turnbull, better watch out. <laughs> Someone on the other side of the planet's doing their job. <laughs> oh. All right, let's move on from Jezza. I um, never will. Another thing that's popped up pretty recently. I was hoping Ben could tell us about it. A little thing called... The Babadook is gay. <laughs> the Babadook absolutely is gay, uh, first yeah. and foremost. This is just... It's a dumb meme, right? Uh, except it's a dumb meme that has just enchanted and thrilled me <laughs> in every possible way. It just... It astounds me that, like... So the internet is basically a machine that generates a million billion different widgets every day, right? And 99.999% of those widgets drop away because only a small group of people found them funny or they weren't funny or whatever. And every now and then, one of these widgets that was completely randomly generated by this machine, it's just so arcane and bizarre that it resonates with every single person that sees it. <laughs> this is the Babadook is gay. So its origins... See, I don't even know if this is necessarily real, um, but there, someone posted a screenshot... The earliest I could find it posted was on Reddit, but uh, it's Reddit, so it was probably scraped from somewhere that was probably scraped from somewhere else. But it was just a screenshot of Netflix with, like, the different categories. Uh, and one of them was in the LGBT movies section. And so the screenshot was, like, 10-year plan and other people and whatever. And then smack bang in the middle is the Babadook. <laughs> <laughs> now, for anyone, for anyone who hasn't seen the Babadook... It was a very successful Australian horror movie. Great movie. Fantastic Great movie. movie uh, about, a, about a single mother. A widow? Yes. I think so, yes. About a widow living with her young son, and they're both um, really struggling to cope with depression and grief and you know the loss of uh, the father, and this all seems to manifest itself in the presence of the terrifying Babadook. So, I was curious, Ben, I've... I haven't read any yet, but I think people have written some, like, much more kind of, um, I don't want to say serious, because I'm sure they're not very serious, but more analytical takes on the idea of how, um, of how the Babadook can represent, uh, uh, I don't know, repressed sexuality? I'm not sure. I haven't read into it far Well, enough. yeah, I don't think serious is definitely the right word either, but <laughs> people that have abstracted it into, shoehorned, shoehorned it into a nice way to do it, but then... There've been some lovely ones. I saw one that was just like that he's like outrageous and secretly believes that he's a monster, um, which like well that all gay people secretly believe they are because you know they're rejected from their families or you know the ones that were raised in worse times than now that he represents that, which is obviously tongue in cheek. But I saw one particularly amazing one that just fucking killed me every time I read it. 
Openly gay and with an affinity for hats and drama, The Babadook was the first time I saw myself represented in a film. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Bloody perfect. Doesn't The Babadook live in the closet at the end of the movie? Oh, he does. Oh, he's in the basement. But I mean, the basement is theoretically a closet, you know? Little little cupboard at the back of the 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 thing? So my imagination. Do you reckon he fucks? The Babadook? Does he fuck? The Babadook is Volcel, I'm relatively sure. <laughs> Why Volcel? Ah, oh, well, he's still working through some things. He's fabulous. He could get laid. Uh, what? He could get laid if he wanted to. Something that was delightful to me was Pedestrian was lovely enough to let me write an article about this apropos of nothing. Despite the fact that this is not even that new, it's just sort of just started trending recently. But I wrote an article about it where the headline was just how the fuck did the Babadook become a gay icon? And then someone <laughs> responded to our Twitter account doing like the clap emoji thing with by being himself no matter what, obviously. <laughs> Very good. Uh, God Very bless good. him. God bless the gay Babadook. Although, <laughs> one of my favourite things about this was some pushback from people insisting that the Babadook was actually bisexual, which I support. I fully believe he is a bisexual man. Well, as you as you signed off on your own article, uh, the Babadook is bisexual, and he is my husband. Correct. He is my yes. husband. <laughs> We're poly, though. I enjoyed that very much. What a what a nice bit of fun. I'm gonna have to rewatch it with a uh, with my my film analysis glasses on. Oh, that that'll be one of our bonus episodes where we rewatch it and look at all the coded symbolism for homosexuality or bisexuality. Yeah. Sounds extremely problematic. Let's do it. Uh, actually, I'm allowed to do this because I am bisexual. So fuck you. Oh, it's mm. all good then. Woohoo! Free Drop, pass. Um, I'm I'm uh, I'm straight, so I'm going to have to nervously look at you to see if the things I'm saying are okay. Yeah. Throughout the entire episode, I will sneakily be giving you a thumbs up or the thumbs down. Now, speaking of future episodes, um, for anybody who follows uh, who follows us on Twitter or follows the Punta Vista Twitter account. I have been carefully keeping tabs on a little thing that's coming up in Sydney. And that is, uh, friend of the show, weird conservative columnist Daisy Cousins, she put up a little thing a while ago saying, Hey everybody, I'm going to be um, hosting a screening of MRA documentary The Red Pill in Sydney. And they were doing it through like a crowdfunding thing called Fanforce, and they had to sell um, 68 tickets, which was a very wasted opportunity, in my view. So wasted. So, as somebody pointed out, Daisy is the 69th ticket. I, but... can't, I can't even bring myself to say that that's nice. Every no, instinct in my body wants to, but I cannot. There's nothing about it that's nice, but I put the call out there to see if perhaps any brave Punta Vista listeners would be willing to venture out to the actual event. And check it out and get back to us. And um, we had some volunteers. We have a we have a secret squirrel who, now that the event has been funded, at the absolute 11th hour, I'm going to assume Daisy's dad got the American Express out. Yeah, so what, what was the deal with that? Because it looked like they still needed like 18 tickets or something. They did, and then suddenly they were all sold. Yeah, it was, um, it was an incredibly slow drip for the entire thing i was tracking it all the way through and going man it's been like 20 days and you guys have sold six more tickets like it very much seemed like they weren't going to get there i mean we, so, we will uh, be able to tell when our spy on the inside counts the mm. attendance numbers yes and it's uh you know the whole two back rows are daisy's dad and a bunch of scarecrows <laughs> um bunch of, bunch of mannequins so yes we have we have asked a brave soul to go out to this thing and they they've said that they're going to they're going to go out 
they're going to check out the scene, check out the vibe, um, go in and listen to Daisy's little speech. And then I have instructed them to promptly leave the venue because uh, from what I've heard about this film, they shouldn't have to sit through it. Mm. Uh, and definitely not in a cinema full of family court dads. Oh my god, can you imagine? Can you imagine Oof. the smell? <laughs> <laughs> imagine the vibe. Um, just the vibe is just going to be angry. Mm-mm. So this is all pretty exciting, I think. Now, the unfortunate downside is that the three of us are going to be forced to watch this film so that we may comment on it. Can't wait. Mm. Mm. I don't value my time uh, at all, so to me, this is fine. <laughs> yeah, well. Hey, look, man, we got, um, we've, got, we've got Patreon subscribers to deliver to now. We do. You know? Angels. Got, um, beautiful people. Beautiful, beautiful angels. I've deemed every single person to be God's most perfect angel. Yeah. I've jacked off to everyone on the list separately. Everyone. Mm. <laughs> That's I've been busy. I've been busy. Been busy. Been busy. <laughs> yeah. There you go, folks. If you if you sign up, that's what's that's what's in store. Just somewhere out there, you'll know that that's happening. You'll get to watch us in pain. Yeah. Oh, I, I so, thought you um, meant the jacking off, not the red pill oh. thing. <laughs> <laughs> both. Both. Um, both. So uh, I'm I'm pretty excited about the red pill thing. We're crossing over into the real world, folks. Yeah. Is this technically investigative journalism? Yeah, yeah. Um, full gonzo investigative journalism. We're journalists now. Get a Walkley for this so. one. Mm. <laughs> so I think it's I think it is very safe to describe um, our volunteer as very brave as an all time all time Hall of Fame friend of the show. Mm. Yeah. So pretty keen about that. We'll um we'll make sure to let everybody know when that's coming up and coming out. Uh, and speaking of the Patreon, we launched a Patreon this week, and a bunch of people have been supporting us, and it's very, very nice, and we're very, very, very grateful. Cool. We're going to yeah. spend all the money on drugs. Just drugs. Yeah. Just um, drugs. There's, there's going to be no bonus material. It's just going to be uh, unintelligible, garbled messages typed onto the Patreon page as we try to excuse the delays. The more money we get, um, the more fucked up we will be. Mm, on drugs. Yeah. <laughs> just... The only posts are going to be begging for more money, <laughs> and the begging will get increasingly desperate. So we're we're doing the first the first bonus episodes um, this week. They'll be coming out. Well, this week when this episode is out, because we're recording now, but you're not listening to it right now. It's mm. one of one of the many tricks of internet radio. Thank you for clarifying but, that. Yeah, yeah. Now speaking of speaking of um, anachronistic phrases for internet radio related things we're up to everybody's favorite part of the show the mailbag yay yeah i feel like maybe we need like a mailbag jingle of some kind i don't know we definitely do i'll work on it so the reason i bring this up of course is because um i after putting out the call for questions for the mailbag i was immediately uh harassed i was violently harassed by leftists online bullied Yes, um, by friends of the show, uh, Flabberdax, uh, Wine Mum, uh, John Curran. So, so John Curran had the question, why is your mailbag a mailbox? Because I used an emoji of a mailbox in that tweet. Um, the answer is, there, there isn't one of a bag of mail, as far as I could see. I apologize for the offense that I've caused, uh, for, <laughs> for, for the slur on the mail community. Uh, I'll, try and, I'll try and do better in the future. Um... But please do better. But yes, the other two were were very concerned about why I was calling it a mailbag when people just contact us online. I was insulted. 
uh, harassed. There, there was a lot of bullied. Yeah, a lot of um, hurtful terms. I can help answer that question in that I take all of the questions that are given to us on Twitter and then I write them down by hand. Mm-hmm. Beautiful them. calligraphy, and then I post them to Andrew. Express post them to me. Yeah, definitely, right. absolutely happened. It, it certainly it's does. Um, well, here, here are some tastes. Here are some tastes. Uh, why is it called a mailbag if you're getting your questions from online? That's my question. The fucking nineteen twenty-seven parcels depot ass postman pat ass. <laughs> that's that's from Flabadax. Uh, Nikki says, calling into the switchboard so the operator can connect your call, you archaic bitches. <laughs> and it goes on and on. It like goes this, on like basically. <laughs> mm, for some time. For the tolerant left. So, you know, I, I took my time to collect myself, get my emotions in check. And I now have to insist that I'm going to call it the mailbag for the rest of all time to personally spite these listeners of ours, these friends of the show. Mm. Dear friends of the show who can go fuck themselves. <laughs> uh, we've got another another question here from a uh, friend of the show, uh, Thomas W. He starts his question with, big fan here. Ooh. And let me just say... I like Thomas. Yeah. Thomas, thank you. It's mutual. Thank you. you have three fans right here, Thomas. <laughs> He's pointing to uh-huh. his balls. And he wanted to know, where did the Bunta Vista Socialist Club get its name? Ooh. Yeah. And uh, this is probably this is probably relevant to um, any international listeners, of which there are a surprising portion. Uh, but I'm confused. I don't know what you're getting out of this, guys. Yeah, no idea. I assume you're laughing at the accents the whole time. They are pretty silly. Hmm. The answer to the question, of course, is that uh, it's a play on the Buena Vista Social Club. Bunta being a South Australian term. Uh, that I was introduced to by everybody's friend, um, Bonerman Incorporated. Marvin, not a friend of the show. Shout not out, Marvin. Friend. Fuck you, Marvin. <laughs> wow. Wow, guys. I'm going to, I'm gonna, you know, just reserve my own calling Marvin an enemy because I'm I want to eat one of, those, one of those pizzas that he's always he's, posting. He's a day. good guy. Sorry, mm. Marvin. No, you guys, you guys have done it now. <laughs> You've... We've done you've it. Declared him, you've declared him your enemies. And you declared can't, him enemy of the show. You can't just go back on that. Um, so, bunta. Bunta is a South Australian term for just just going wild. Just cutting sick. Going off chops. Mm. I feel like none of these are making it any clearer to people overseas. I had to Google bunta. I hadn't heard of it when you named it bunta vista. There you go. Well, I, I thought it was like a racist word. I thought it was a slur. Wow. Mm. Mm. It does bear a bit of a similarity to another very unpleasant Australian slur. Yeah. Uh, but let's not get into that. Let's not get into that. Uh, for Americans, consider, if you will, the phrase wild and out. Hog wild. <laughs> hmm. Nick Cannon's wild and out. Girls gone wild. Yeah. And the socialist reference is to the fact that we are we are all just stinking, stinking leftists. Mm, disgusting yeah. pinkos. Oh, I'm not. I'm 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 ANCAP, actually. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a good old anarcho-capitalist. Yeah. Well, look. Um, the reality is that the, the show is hosted by a, a big boat full of Bernie Bros. Pretty much. Mm. Can I be a Bernie Bro? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. Um, I've done some research on this online uh, by viewing oh. horrible tweets, and it turns out that if you are a woman who supports Bernie, you immediately lose woman status. Yes. Um, oh, wow. Also, well, interestingly as well, if you are a woman um, of colour, 
you also immediately become a racist mm. by supporting Bernie Sanders. Um, it nice. doesn't have to make sense. That is just the brush that people are tarred with. Mm. Next question. Next question here. Uh, now, I feel like we've we've kind of answered this one in the show already, but let's throw it out there. Uh, is there anyone left in the Labour Party who is not completely piss-weak and or no. compromised? No. From friend of the show, Retro Vertigo. And look, I feel like we've touched on this. Mm. Mm. There's some people that I don't mind, uh, but I know it's just because they're good in the context of a party that is bad. Yeah, they're good by comparison. Uh, Tim Watts, Labour MP. Tim Watts is good. Shout out yep. to Tim. He'll he'll dig the boot in uh, online, uh, but not in any sort of policy way. Uh, but I mean, he's I want to like. Him. I don't. I want to like him. Oh look, you know, I'm sure I'm sure there are many people who are perfectly fine people in their own right and in their own lives and all that sort of stuff. My problem with that sort of stuff is when you like when you kind of want to get the credit of holding the you know the right view in some public forum but then just kind of toe the line in the party that you're in that is actually making policies. It just sort of makes me go, well, you're kind of trying to have your cake and eat it too. Then. Yeah. Um, so I think we're all going to go with a big big fat no on that one for the most part. I like, I like Doug Cameron, the angry Scotsman. Yeah. But I don't, know if he, I don't know if he's problematic, so I should probably uh, reserve my judgment on that one. Mm. But he has a good accent. We'll research in the Doug. Mm-hmm. Yeah, next next episode we'll come up with the the Doug dossier. <laughs> we regret to inform you, Doug is racist. Yes. <laughs> Milkshake, Doug. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we got a uh, we got one final question to round out the show here from a friend of the show at Important Mail from Twitter. Oof. Yeah, and he asks, and you know maybe this will tie back to the last episode a little. How do you guys deal with conservative friends or family? Ooh. I don't have any conservative friends. Fuck them. I, I definitely don't yeah. have any conservative friends. Uh, yeah. I don't have any that I'm on a level that I ever discuss politics with. Mm. No. It's funny because this has basically been my immediate thought is, why, why would I have conservative friends? Why would I have... Why would I do that? I, I think we all liberals? have conservative family. I'm pretty sure everyone does at this point. Yeah. I, I think, weirdly, the most conservative person in my family is probably my eldest sister and that's only because she's extremely religious oh god i thought you were gonna i thought you're gonna go with rich just um, she's more wealthy than i am oh that's a that's a big hurdle to leap over is <laughs> i'm broke as shit <laughs> please please subscribe to the patreon ben is dying <laughs> up until a few years ago uh this is the last time i checked in with her so she may have changed since i'm not sure but uh she was against gay marriage which I think she also knew that I was bisexual, which is quite interesting, but it's never a conversation we've had in person. And probably one I'm not ever going to have with her, mm, I don't think. Probably for the best. Unless, you know, I, heaven forbid, break up with my partner now and get together with a guy and then probably be like, hey, what do you think of Greg? <laughs> what's, what's, what's going on in your little mind right now? Yeah, Want to have a chat about Greg? We need to talk um, about Greg. <laughs> yeah, look, this this is a subject that I'm really torn about because I've absolutely seen people espouse views that are like, man, if, you're, if your 80-year-old grandma says some racist shit, 
you got to roast that bitch right there at the dinner table. Oh yeah, easy, like, easy easily said. Yeah, anything anything less and you are, you know, you're effectively saying it yourself. You're a piece of shit. A fucking a stream of articles every Thanksgiving in America from like <laughs> The worst websites that are like how to completely own your grandma about states' rights, yeah. like how to how, how to annihilate racist Uncle Jesse at the Thanksgiving table. It's yeah. literally just the drill tweet about this whole thing smacks of gender. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, man. I I hear that sort of stuff, and like apart from anything else, if the only time that you see these like mad conservative or racist or homophobic or whatever, because there's a Venn diagram of these three groups, and there's a bit over. And the middle of the Venn um, diagram says gamer. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get some hate mail on that one. Um, from Lucy. Yes. <laughs> from the only gamer. <laughs> the only gamer that listens to the show is me. Only, only gamer on the cast. <laughs> yeah, and I, I sort of think to myself, well, like, if, if the only time that you ever see these people is at Christmas and Easter and, like, family gatherings and stuff a couple of times a year... Number one, you're clearly not in each other's lives enough for it to there to be any great impetus for you to, like, try and cure this person's brain disease or whatever. Mm. And the other unfortunate thing is, like, as far as a lot of stuff seems to suggest, by the time somebody is, you know, an established adult, they're kind of set about a lot of things in their life. Like, yep. it's, it's, it's genuinely hard to, to, you know, change people over on things that they... Well, I guess that they feel sort of strongly enough about to be espousing their views about other people in public places. So, like, maybe it makes me a great big coward, but a lot of the time I'm just like, oh, I can't wait till I get out of here. Pretty much. Yeah, I, I personally believe that my politics are the result of rational thought, right? That there is a logical steps of arguments for, like, why I support welfare state, why... I think racism is bad, why I think gay marriage should exist. Like, I reckon that it is possible to convey those in logical terms to the point that if I had infinite time and we went through all the steps and all of the life experiences and whatever that led to me holding those views, I reckon it's a defendable viewpoint, right? But at the same time, I also think that if I was, like, a 70-year-old great-uncle and my great-nephew was, like, trying to explain how gendered language is a thing despite the fact that my great-nephew was 25, I would be like, motherfucker, I have been alive for 50 years more than you. What the fuck do you know? Like, there's no way for you to kind of... I just feel like, you know, obviously it would be good if we could make everyone a better person, but at the same time, if you're that fucking old... I don't mean that in a mean way. I just mean that if you've been around for that long and then someone that to you is basically a baby is just being like, oh, you're so dumb for not knowing this. Mm, Lecturing you and stuff, like, yeah. Well, and that's that's the thing, that kind of stuff that you're talking about with that article that's like, here's here's a hot piece about how to hector your relatives. Yeah. <laughs> how to malign people in public in front of all the other people in their family. It's like, yeah, you can really imagine winning a lot oh, of yeah. hearts and minds. Can't wait to one. go to Christmas and call my nana a cunt. Like. Mm. <laughs> Cop it, nana. That's our uh, $4,000 Patreon goal. Uh, if you get there, <laughs> Lucy will call your grandma a cunt. Yeah, so, you know. Mm. Like I said, maybe I'm a coward, but... You are a coward. I, I just... I, well, in <laughs> in a lot of ways. Not just this one facet. I don't I don't see a huge deal of value in trying to convert old family members and stuff. And I'm also not super close friends with a bunch of people who hold 
vastly opposite ideologies to myself about Me you know damaging the poor and vulnerable and yeah you yeah. basically it's, it's, this is obviously a very broad sweeping statement but really if to hold strict conservative views there has to be some level of like emotional intelligence missing from your brain or at least and and logical intelligence yes yeah and that as well uh, that you know obviously i would say that because i have left beliefs but honestly just i can't imagine someone who honestly believes being like well poor people should just not be poor yeah i think there's a difference between like a friend that might use you know problematic language because they're uneducated and someone who yeah. genuinely just has terrible conservative views yeah well i mean to come back to um what we were talking about in the last episode with everett uh, go back and listen to that one if you haven't yet, because it's good very good stuff. Has some very good stuff to say about about kind of the origins of of conservative ideology, and a big part of it is about saying big part of the origins of it are we have this big vested self interest, and now we need to create an ideology to defend that as the status quo. We need to explain to people why it's actually good for them to be ruled over and to be kept under the thumb and to not have the same rights as us. Mm. And and I got to say that's my that's my takeaway from a lot of a lot of you know the different branches of conservative ideology, particularly around stuff like you know small business owners and the minimum wage and all this sort of thing. Where like time you just presented with arguments about like trickle down economics and <laughs> oh if you if you cut all of my taxes as a business owner, I'll be able to hire more people and create more jobs and pay them more money and put all this money into training staff. It's like I. I don't know about you guys, but I've worked for a handful of small businesses, and like the yeah, everybody's everybody's entire self motivation was increase my own profits at the expense of everybody else, and that's yeah, all I care much. about. Yeah, I, yeah. So I don't want to say that I I wouldn't be friends with someone that had different political views with me because that's not really how friendship works, right? You know, you meet some people yeah. and you just uh-huh. fucking get along. But I generally think the kind of people that I do like as people are the people that want to make a better world. Yeah, they're not well, just maybe... being like, well, you know, it's shit that it's shit for some people, but life's meant to be shit for some people. I'm like, well, fuck you, that's a dumb attitude to have. Well, maybe what we're all saying is that you can disagree with friends, but if you're talking about someone with very strongly held conservative views, then to me that tends to correlate with a with a pretty distinct lack of compassion yeah. in your yeah. in your thoughts and your in your mind. And I can't really get down with that. So, I think we will probably leave it there for this week. Mm-hmm. We will be coming out with that bonus material next week. So if you are interested in that, get on the old Patreon. You can find it on the Twitter accounts. You can find it all over the place. I'll put some put some links on the posts. And we'll make some, some good shit for you. Some good shit. Uh, we'll keep it coming. We hope. Yeah, and uh, we'll put some we'll put some stuff on there too, like some some polls and that kind of thing. Uh, you can tell us what kind of what kind of steamy hot content you're interested in. Tell us what you want from Are us. Are we closing off the mailbag to subscribers? Mm. Yes, we are. Yes, yes. You're all getting locked out of heaven. <laughs> so, so from now from now on, we're gonna uh, we're gonna put out the announcement, and subscribers will be able to send us through their questions, uh, and that'll probably make it easier to dig through all of them because we're getting a bunch now. We will still, however, continue to read out brutal owns that are tweeted at us by not necessarily we subscribers. Will. So if you can somehow worm a question into an own, it may be considered. No, it'll, you know, it'll get in there. Unless it's uh, too brutal. Uh, I don't yes. want to be upset. 
I'm sensitive. The question is, if the question is, why are you so dumb? Uh, <laughs> I'll ben, that. Th- yeah, Ben will read that out now. Ben will read it out. Yeah, Only yeah. if it's specifically about Lucy. <laughs> Alright, guys. Well, I guess uh, right. I guess we'll see everybody midweek. Enjoy your weeks, guys. Have a good one. Go out Enjoy there and give it your best. Unless yeah. you don't want to, and then don't. Look, learn from learn from Jezza. Remember that you know you can you can make things happen out there in the world. Here's to a bright, sunny, socialist future. Happy Jezza month. Happy Jezza day. Yeah. Bye. Bye.